we've coming to the, to the we're coming to the end of the section on the korbanot. Um, the next thing is to be Shmuel Omer, so we're going to be finishing the whole section of the korbanot. We just closed we previously with closing the avodah with Abaye Havim Sader and Ana Bekoach, which closes off the Kitoret and that whole section of the Sidor. And Ezum Ekoman is unique in its own right. It's a parak. It's actually a parak of the Mishnayot in Mesechet Zvachim. It's the entire parak Hey, the fifth parak. And the Mesechet and Zvachim, in the first, first four parakim, it discusses all the pisulim for a korban, all the things that could go wrong. So if you bring it Shalishma, if you piggle, all the, all the things that could go wrong, the mooms, all the things that could go wrong when you bring a, a korban. The fifth parak discusses instead the proper way to bring a korban. So, how we bring it, where we bring it, how you do, not not quite how you do the shechita, but where you do the shechita, where you bring the dam, where you do the hazaya, all these these little details. Now, why do we say ezahumikoman, and what's the source for saying it every day? So the Rishonim, um, exceptionally the Tor, attributed to a Gemara in Kiddushin, Daflamid Amud Aleph. And they say as follows. So let's, let's look at the Torah's Lashon because it's, this is brought in many of the Rishonim. And it says like this. The Kavu, instead of looking directly in the Gemara, which anyone can do if they like to, but he's going to quote it. The Kavu Lishnot Mishnah is Mishnat Ezu Mekoman. They were Koveya. He doesn't say who, but Tosafot says it was Rabbi Amram Gaon. Why am I. Oh, that's just the, for the sitter. It's just it has Ezu Mekoman in it if you want to read it. Um, so the Kabul Lishanot Mishnat Ezu Mekoman, they were Koveya, meaning either of Amram Gaon or earlier, some say, all the way back to the Anshik Knesset or earlier in Bavel, they were Koveya to say Ezu Mekoman, Ubraita Rabbi Ishmael. So the tour is continuing after the Parashata Tamid. And. This was what they were Kaveya to say after the Tamid. Ezu Mekoman and Braitadi Bishmal. Omar, Biyud Gimel Midot, Achar Parashat Tamid, Mishum Hadamar of Safra. Why? Because the Gemara says that of Safra said, Laolam Yishalesh Adam Shinotav. A person should divide his life into three. What does that mean to divide your life into three? Shalish Bimikra, one third of your life, you should um, you're, you should divide your years into, into three. One third in Mikra, learning scripture. Shlish Mishnah, one third of learning Mishnah, and Shlish Bitamid, a third of your Bitalmud, a third of your life learning Gemara. The Gemara asks, Uparich, Umiyada Kamachai, how's the person going to know how long he's going to live? You're going to live until 60, you're going to say, okay, 20 years I'm going to do Tanakh, 20 years I'm going to do Mishnah, 20 years I'm going to do Gemara. So the Gemara answers, Umishani, Lo Nitzracha Eliliomi. It's the, the Bryce is only coming to tell us for each day, meaning per day, if you're going to have first Seder, second Seder, and third Seder, you should divide it between. Now, he leaves out the part of the Gemara which says uh, that he learns this out of the word Vishinantam. Vishinantam Levanecha has two nuns. So it should have just said Vishinitam Levanecha, and it says two nuns, so it doesn't mean you should learn it twice. It means it adds an extra nun to tell you you should learn it three times. Why do I learn three times? You should split your learning in three. So because of this, says Tosafot, over here in, in Sanhedrin as well, he says, he says that this was the reason why they were, they were Kaveya to do, par, after Birkat Torah, they would do Parashat HaTamid, they would do 
they would do Berchat Torah, then Parsha Tamid, that's for Mikra. Then right after that, they do Ezehu Mikoman, that was for the Mishnah. And then right after that, they do Bishmal Omer, and that was for the Gemara, the, 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 the the, the part. Now, this part makes it a little confusing because today in the, in the Sidur, we don't structure it that way. In the olden days, this is how they did it, and the, the Gras Sidur and the Temanim still do it that way. However, most Sidurim, because of his for historical reasons, first comes Brichat um, Torah, then the Brachot, or if you're Sfaradi, the Brachot and the Brichat Torah, then comes. A bunch of other stuff like Le Olam, and then you say the Tamid, and then you say, uh, and then you say the Ketorat. They added the Ketorat. They added Anabakoch. They added Baye Havim Sader, and then they say the Ezehum Mikoman. So all these things historically got stripped into the Sidur, but the original uh, Matbeah, the original format of the Sidur, was to do it in this direction. So the position today Ezehum Mikoman looks a little out of place. You're like, okay, I just finished Anabakoch. Why am I saying Ezehum Mikoman now? Well, you know, what is it all about? So. The Prisha points out that the language here in the Torah is indicative of a very important point. By the Tamid and by the Ketoret, he uses, he brings the Gemara and Merachot, which says, that the purpose of saying the Korbanot is so that it should be as if, as if we brought them ourselves. That's the effect it should have, that by saying it with our words, it should be like if, as if we brought it ourselves, and that should be the effect it has in Shemaim. But he doesn't say that over here. In fact, he actually brings the Gemara in Menachot, which says, um, uh, that, and the Pasuk says in, in Malachi, um, Parakid Aleph Pasuk, Aleph, I believe, I don't, uh, no, Yud, let me see, it is, I don't remember exactly where it is, Pas- yeah, in Parak Aleph, Pasuk Yid Aleph, it says, and in all places it's as if incense was brought and korbanot were brought for my name. Says the Gemara, is that true that people are bringing uh, korbanot in all places? The Gemara over there says, no, that's the people who are in all places, that, that's for the Tamid Chachamim, because the Tamid Chachamim can learn in all places and wherever they learn it's as if they're, if they're learning the Kachim, if they're learning Zvachim, if they're learning any part of the, the Gemara which has to deal with these things, it's as if the incense is being brought and the Kabarnot are being brought. But not to say that it's like the obligation of bringing the Tamid every day. It's a separate merit. It has a separate kind of effect. It has an effect like almost like a Korban Nedava. So he explains, the Prisha says, the Tamid, which was a national responsibility, it was an obligation Therefore, the takana to read the tamid every day, every day is modeled after that obligation, and therefore, reading it is like we bring the tamid. But saying it as a humikoman is not like that. It's like learning. The whole point of saying it was for learning. We're supposed to say, um, we're supposed to learn three separate things a day. So, what the Torah is saying is that we're not saying as a humikoman because we're trying to bring a korban. We're saying it because we we need to learn Torah. And therefore, if it does have the merit of bringing a korban, it's more like a korban nedava. It's more like an, a voluntary korban than it is a korban chova, especially because Ezehum Ekoman contains a bunch of um, halachot about korbanot which we don't bring every day, like korban Pesach and korban uh, Mitzorah, korban Nazir, all these things which we don't bring every day. So it has to be that it's simply a separate effect of that the learning Torah of Kadshim has a the effect that like in Shemayim we're bringing uh, korbanot. So the Magen Abraham over there, as well as many of the poskim, stress that there's an extra importance here that if we're going to learn, if you're going to say Ezehu Mikoman every day, that you should understand the words you're saying. Because sometimes by tefillah, 
if you if you say the words, even if you don't have kavanah, they're still efficacious. It still has an effect because the words were designed to have superpowers. Even if chas v'shalom, we don't have kavanah, they're still going to have some sort of effect. But when it comes to learning Torah, you can't just you know read like it's tehillim. You have to actually understand. So he says it's important to make sure that we do understand. It. So at least once in your life, <laughs> we should sit down and actually learn it, which we'll try to do tonight. And the shla is brought by the the Berhetiv. He says that that in Europe they used to have at least back then, probably even more recently, they used to have a sp- special nigan they used when they when they learnt a special tune that they used when they learnt mishnayot. I'm sure every Jewish culture has a different tune. For some have a tune for learning chumash, some have a tune for learning mishnayot, a tune for learning gemara. The shla said when you're learning mishnayot, when you're learning ezu mikoman in the morning, when you say it. Um, during the tefillah, say it in the Mishnayot Nigun to remind yourself that you're learning and you're doing it because the Gemara says that we should be Mishalesh, our Limud, every day. Now, to stress the point that it's learning, the, the poskim even point out that if you're in a Beit Avel, you're not allowed to learn. If you're in the house of a mourner, you can't learn. And if it's Tisha B'Av, you can't learn. So are you allowed to say Ezum Koman or the, or the Kormanot when you're in the house of an Avel? So they bring the, the Shulchan Aruch by... Um, Tisha B'Av in Taf Kuf Nun Dalid. And over there he says, anything which is from the Seder Hayom, you can say. Meaning, if it's something that people say by rote, something that people say every single day, that's not a problem of Limut Torah. It doesn't have the same Hashivut, and therefore it can be said even in a Beit, it can be said even on Tisha B'Av, and therefore the Postgame say, predominantly they all agree, you can say this, um, you can say Ezumukuman, you can say Korbanot even in the house of an Avel. However, the Machazit Shekel points out that this is only in a place where the minhag is to say it every day. If the minhag is not to say it every day, then it would not be allowed because then it's not considered from the Seder Hayom. It has to be something, a place where everyone is noheg to um, say it every day. And he brings a raya from a Ramah. Okay. Now, what's interesting is that we've already established the premise that they're going to say three things every day. So we're going to split our limud in three. Tamid. Uh, that's uh, Mikra, Mishnah, Gemara. Now, why did it pick Ezehu um, Mekoman? I understand why I picked Tamid. Tamid is very obvious because we have to bring in Tamid every day and it's, it's part of the Torah. But why Ezehu Mekoman? Of all the Mishnayot in the entire Shisha Sidene Mishnah, why would it pick this Perak? The Ra'ah in Brachot brings two reasons. It says, number one, we could say is because we just said we just said tamid. We just this we just um, in the morning we're beginning to talk about the korbanot and Ezim Mukoman discusses this single parak discusses virtually all of the korbanot. So we wanted to pack it all in. A second reason he says, and this is actually said by Rabbi Lazar Rokeach, who's much earlier than him, is because we have a misora that of all of the mishnayot in the entire shas. This one has no machloket in it. Nowhere in the parak is there any Tanaim arguing with each other. There's no Shammai Omer this, Hillel says this, there's no Rabbi Shimon arguing with the mayor, none of that. No machloket. This is symbolic of the fact, they say, that this is a, what's called the halacha brura le Moshe Misinai. We know that Hashem gave Torah Shabal Peh to Moshe at Sinai, the whole thing. He gave him everything we need to know. This entire Mishnah is completely uncontested. This is what Hashem told Moshe at Sinai. And the Rokeach goes further and he says there's 345 words in the parak, and that's Gematria Moshe. Because this, this parak was brought and said directly to Moshe. 
Now, obviously, Rabbeinu HaKadosh, when he compiled the Mishnah, he wasn't writing all of it. He was compiling it. He was choosing what to put in and what not to put in. There are certain points in the Parak which Tanaim do argue on, but he chose not to put it in. He chose to keep it as pure as possible, as much as, as the Misorah was, and to keep the language of this teaching that went back all the way to Moshem Sinai, to keep the language identical as far back as it could go. Though Sarat Filot points out that this, that this Mishnah has to be ancient. It has to be more ancient than the Tanaim. You know why? Because part of the, in, in the, um, one of the Mishnayot, it says, that the, that the Korban is eaten within the curtains. And if you know anything about the Beit HaMikdash, there, was, there were no curtains in the Beit HaMikdash. They built walls in the Beit HaMikdash. The only time there were Klaim was in the Mishkan, which was hundreds and hundreds of years before that. The only other time there might have been Klaim is in the time of Ezra when they had a temporary situation set up. But if you say Lefnim and HaKlaim, that's even before Shiloh. Even in Shiloh they had walls. So why would the language be Lefnim and HaKlaim if it wasn't Hashem speaking to Moshe Rabbeinu? That's what they, they point out. Others point out it could be in the time of Ezra, but, you know, it's less likely. All right, so now we're going to, hopefully, go through the Perak. It's not going to take too long. It's only, I think, eight Mishnayot. And we'll just get an understanding of what the Mishnah, Mishnayot mean. We'll try to move. Obviously, there's a whole Masechah on this, so... You know, there's Dafim and Dafim and Dafim and Dafim on every one of the Mishnayot. So I think we'll just do a surface, Ravavadi Mavar Tanura level learning of the Mishnayot so that every time we read it, we can have a clue as to what's going on. All right, so here we go. I think. Here we go. Ezehu Mikoman Shazvachim, the first Mishnah. Let's discuss what is the correct place for the Zvachim. Zvachim are any, any animals which are slaughtered. Uh, which have a shrita instead of a malika. Malika would be like for a bird when you when you uh, cut off its neck. But this is all about animals which are shechted. Kadshe kadashim, the holiest of the holy, meaning any of the korbanot that the Torah calls kadshe kadashim, shritatam b'tzafon. They are slaughtered in the northern part of the Beit HaMikdash. So if this is the Azara, of the Azara. So if this is the Azara, this is the northern area. This is where they were. They would do the shrita. And we had a diagram last time. They had the rings, the different areas that they would um, shech the, the the Korbanot. So now it gets into more detail. The bull and the male goat that is brought in Yom Kippur, they are slaughtered in the north. And when you accept the blood from the neck, also in one of the sacred vessels in the north. The, d- the dam requires sprinkling in between the poles of the Aron Kodesh. That was on Yom Kippur, spe- spe- uh, specifically. You'd go lefnai v'lefnim. V'yal parochet, you'd also do a sprinkling on the parochet. V'yal mizbach ha-zahav, and onto the mizbeach ha-zahav, which is inside the heichal. Matana achat mehen me'akevet. If even one of these sprinklings is not done properly, it, it disqualifies the whole thing. Shi'are hadam, the remainder of the blood, if there's any remaining blood, hayashofech al yisod ma'aravi shel mizbeach ha-chitzon. He would pour it onto the southern base of the Mizbeach, of the outer Mizbeach. However, this is not Li Kuva. If it's not done, or if there's not enough blood, it's not Li Kuva. And only the, the south, I believe it's the south and the west, the north and the western part of the Mizbeach had a base. Further, Mishnah Bay is Parim Hanisrafim. Any of the bulls that are burnt, Usirim Hanisrafim, Shechitatam Matzafon. 
Now, what are these two categories of korbanot? These are korbanot called par helam u par mashiach. A par helam is a korban brought in case the Sanhedrin makes a mistake. Par kohen mashiach if I remember correctly, is if the Kohen Gadol makes a mistake. Shechitatan Batzafon, they are shafted in the north. Vekibul daman bechlei sharet Batzafon, also the Kabbalah Tadam is done in the north. Vidaman ta'un hazayal parochet, the blood is sprinkled onto the parochet, v'al mezbeach hazahav, and onto the golden uh, altar. Matana achat mehem even one, if they did not do one sprinkling, that is also disqualifies the whole thing. Just like the previous Mishnah, same rule applies that if there's any extra, you should pour it onto the to the western base. If you didn't give it, if you didn't do it, it's not Li'kuvah. Either ones can be burnt in the place of the ashes, which is even outside the temple area. Mishnah Gimel. Now, let's say we're bringing a korban, korban chatat. A korban chatat can be brought for a number of reasons. Um, so it's going to say, there's, it's going to omit the yachid ones, it's going to list the tzibur ones. Elohim chatot hatzibur. Korban chatat is brought if someone did a, did a sin, which he's chayav karetan, and um, did it by accident. It's like a felonious crime. So, Elohim chatot hatzibur. These are the korbanot chatot of the tzibur. Si irei roshei chadashim v'shel mo'adot which are the rams, so the male goats of Rosh, of Rosh Chodesh, and the ones brought on the Moed, on the Yom Tov. So of these, all these, Shechitatam B'Tzafon, they're shechted in the north, V'kibul Daman B'chlei Sharei B'Tzafon, and you do the Kabbalat Adam in the north, V'daman Tehun Arba Matanot Al Ba Kranot, and the, the, the Dam is apl- applied, apl- whatever, yeah, applied onto the four uh, horns of the Mizbeach, Ketzad, how would they do it? So they had to do a sprinkling on the top of the Mizbeach, on all four corners. Now how would he do it? So Ketzad, Allah Bakeves, he would go up on the ramp, Upanal is Sovev, and he would turn to the surrounding ledge, Ubalo Lokeren Domit Mezachitu Mezachit Sifonit Sifonit Maravitu Maravitu Ramit. He would go from the southeast corner to the northeast corner, to the northwest corner, and then the southwest corner. So basically, he was going to go counterclockwise. I'll show you on the diagram here. He would go up the ramp, he would turn right, and then he would go counterclockwise, do one sprinkling, 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 onto each corner of the top of the Mizbech. Um, and he was coming from the south side, uh, from the, sorry, not the south side, from the um, eastern side. <laughs> Further, And if there was remaining blood, he would pour it onto the southern base. The southern and eastern, I believe, was the base. And they would eat it in bet- within the courtyard's curtains, which... Obviously, in the time of the Beit Hamikdash, was within the Azara, but in the time of the Mishkan, that was the Klein. Lezichrei Kuna. The only people who could eat it were male Kohanim. Bichol Machal with any preparation, meaning it didn't matter how you cook it. If you wanted it roasted, boiled, roast, you could do it however you want. Liyom Valayla, night and day, Ad Chatzot. Meaning you could do it for one day, a night until midnight. Now, really, you could do it until the next morning. However, the Chachamim made a Takana not to do it past midnight, so that you know people shouldn't make a mistake and keep it too long. Perak Dalid. Ha'ola, an Ola offering. This is a voluntary offering. It's also completely burnt up. Kodesh Kadashim. This is considered by the Torah a Kodesh Kadashim. It's most holy. Shechitata B'Tzafon. It is shechted in the north. V'kibul Damah B'chlei Sharet B'Tzafon. And the Kabbalat Tadam, the accepting of the blood from the animal, is also done in the north. V'damat Ta'un Shitei Matanot Shehen Arba. And the, the, uh, the blood requires two applications, which are four. We discussed this back when we discussed the Tamid, that he would do it on the corners 
of the of the mizbeach, so that he do he'd be in the corner and do one wall, the other wall, and then he go to the other corner, one wall, and the other wall. Two applications which are have the equivalent of four. Utunot have shit. He has to skin it, bini tuach, and cut it up. Vikalili ishim, and then it's completely burnt. We learned all of that by the tamid because the tamid is in a lot offering. That's for Mishnah Dalid. Mishnah Hey. Zivche Shalmet Sibor. You know what I should point out here? I should stop. The, there's a minhag in the Sfarad Sidurim where it'll say, and I have it here, you hear it after they say the Chatat, they'll say, you hear it, that if I was required to bring a Chatat, that if I was chayav to bring a chatat today for one of the sins I did. Bringing, saying this should be as if I brought a chatat. So the, it's not clear where they got this from, to put this in the middle of, in the middle of learning the Mishnayot. In the tour, all the way in the beginning, in Siman Aleph, he says, some people are no hake to say the parshav, the chatat, parshav, the shlamim, all these parshiot. Now that means the text from the, from the chumash. And he said it's a good thing that each, after each one you could, you could say, ribon alamim, it should be as if I brought, um, a korban this, a korban, korban olah. Now, what they say over there, the post game, is that you probably shouldn't say a tenai by chatat. Meaning, don't say that if I was required to bring a chatat, it should be like I brought a chatat. If not, it should be like I brought it. If I wasn't required, it should be like I brought a nidava. Because you cannot bring a korban chatat voluntarily. It's something you only bring if you're obligated to bring it. So they deprecate saying this language because you're going to end up saying a condition. Okay, it should be as if I brought a chatat, but only if I'm chayav a chatat, or only if I'm chayav an asham. There's all sorts of technically things wrong with that, so they don't want you to say it. In the Sidur Hashla, he does something more clever. So it sounds like they. So what it sounds like is that they borrowed this language from Siman Aleph in the Torah, and they brought it to Ezahu Mikoman, where people aren't saying the Parshiot, but instead they're saying the Mishnayot. And so for some reason, this Minhag came to do it inside Ezahu Mikoman. In the Sidur of the Shla, he says something clever. He says, <laughs> well, what a person should say is that if I was Chayav to bring a Korban Chatat, it should be as if I brought a Korban Chatat. And if not, it should be as if I learned the Mishnah. <laughs> and he goes weiter. And in, and in the art scroll, they don't really take sides. They just say, um, they go with one condition. They say, That if I brought a chatat, it should, this amira should be considered in front of you as if I brought a chatat, but they don't go to the other side of the condition. They don't say, and if not, it should be like in a devah, because you can't say that. So they just leave it out. They, they don't take sides here as to whether or not it's proper to say it. Okay, Mishnah, hey. Zivche shalmet zibur v'ashamot, the communal shlamim um, and asham offerings. Eluhen ashamot. Let's list the ashamot. Asham gezelot. This is a korban called a korban asham. Asham probably comes from the word ashamim, which is to desolate. Basically, it's a type of korban chatat, but it's called an asham. The very specific types of korbanot for very specific sins. Korban asham gezelot is if a person stole and then he swore that he didn't steal. A special shvua. He brings a korban asham. Asham me'ilot, that's if a person accident, accidentally um, was over on me'ilah, which means that he used something which was kodesh for a purpose that shouldn't have been used for kodesh. Asham shivcha charufa. This is a very interesting asham. There's this very odd case in halacha where a slave can be half free and half slave. That is, if two business partners buy a slave, and one of them relinquishes and frees his share of the of the slave, then the person is half slave, half free. So what if it's a woman, 
And what if she's miyuad and she's uh, betrothed to a evadivri? So you have a chazi shifcha chazi bat chorin. She's half free. She's half uh, slave, and she was also previously married to this other slave. So she's half an eshetish, half not an eshetish. So if somebody it, it, it has relations with her, then he has to bring something called an asham shifcha harufa, special korban. Asham nazir, an asham that a nazir brings at the end of his term. Asham mitzara, also a korban that a mitzara brings at the end of his term. Asham talui, an asham where there's a safek, if or if not, you did a, something which is a shogeg. Now the halachot. Those are all the Hashemot. Shechitatam batzafon, v'kibudaman v'klisharit batzafon, v'daman tun shtei matanot shein arba, and the blood is applied on two applications, which are the equivalent of four. V'nechalin l'fnim enaklim, that to be eaten in the azara, l'zichrei kuunat, for the males, male kohanim, b'chol ma'achal, in any form of preparation, liyom v'layla at chatzot, for one day, one night, and up until chatzot, but not further than chatzot. Why? Takana derabanan. Mishnavav. A todah offering and a nazir's ram, kadashim kalim, are called kadashim kalim. Now, this doesn't mean that they're less holy or they're not holy. The difference in kadashim and kadashim, koche kadashim and koche kalim are relative terms. They're both extremely holy, but one is more strict than the other. With kodesh kadashim, you could be over, you could transgress something called me'ilah. With kodashim kalim, you cannot. So you can't, like, if somebody accidentally uses it for something else, it's not the end of the world. You don't have to bring a korban hasham or anything. But if you dedicate something as an olah, and then you go and you use the the cow to to go plow your field, you'd be chayav a korban because those are kadashim kadashim kadashim. Shechitatam bekol makom bazara. So these are less strict. You could you could do the shechita in any area of the azara. It doesn't have to be in the northern section. Vedaman taun matanochen arba. You do the has the. Uh, the applications of the blood in two places, which are the equivalent of four. They could be eaten however, wherever in, in Yushalayim proper one wants to. Any person, not just Kohanim, can, can eat a Todah, Korban Tonah, Any preparation, one day, one night, until Chatzot. And El Nazir is a Nazir's ram. He also brings a ram. Forgot to mention a Todah is if a person was saved from certain dangers, like... Uh, Coming from the desert, he was in the pri- he was in a prison. He comes from a you know if he was saved from a serious illness, those are the things people make a suda toda for today. Those are the things that a person would bring a korban toda in the olden days. Hamuram um, the parts of them that were separated from them, kayotze behem, have the same halacha as them. the parts which are separated from them are only eaten by the kohanim. For their wives, their children, and their servants. So there are certain parts of those kavanot which are separated for the kohanim and their families and their servants. Mishnah Zayin, only two more left to go. Shlamim kadashim kalim. A korban shlamim is also a voluntary uh, korban, not completely eaten up the way the olah is, but also um, it's it's eaten by the people there as well. Kadashim kalim. Sometimes, actually, if a person had a lot of korbanot, if he didn't have enough people to eat, he would bring them as olahs instead of bringing them as a, as a shlamim, because you have to finish the meat. If you didn't have a big enough team of eaters, you weren't going to finish the meat in time, so they would bring them as olahs. But let's say he was a shlamim. You could shecht it anywhere in the azara. And there's two applications which are the equivalent of four. They could be eaten anywhere in Yushalayim, any person, any preparation, two days and one night. 
Hamuramehem, the, the separated parts of them, Kayotibehen have the same halacha, Ela Shamuram Nechal Akwanim Shem Vehem Ladehem. But those extra parts are for the Kohanim, those separated parts are only for the Kohanim, their families and their servants. Mishnachet, Habichor, these are extra, these are other types of, of Korbanot. This is a Korban Bechor, Hamaser, which is a Korban for, for the Maser Behemaf, a person brings a tenth of his, of his animals. Veha Pesach, which is a Korban Pesach, Kadashim Kalim. These are all Kadashim Kalim as well. Shechitatan bekolmakom azara. They can be shechted in any place in the azara. Vidaman ta'u. What? There's no korban bechor. It is. We just mentioned it. I'm sorry. Habechor. Korban bechor. If you bring a firstborn of cows, goats, or sheep. Okay. Habechor maaser pesach are all kadoshim chalim. Shechitatan bekolmakom azara. They are shechted in any place in the azara. Vidaman ta'u matanachat. They only need one application. However, it has to be on the base of the um, of the of the mizbeach, and it can only be done on the eastern and southern sides because only the eastern and southern side of the mizbeach had a base. Now, they differ in how they're eaten because these are three different korbanot. Remember, the bechor is only eaten by the kohanim because all bechor things belong completely to the kohanim. Maser can be eaten by anyone. They can be eaten in the whole city, any person, uh, the whole in any preparation, two da- two days and one night. The Pesach is only brought by night, only eaten. I'm sorry, by night. It can only be eaten until midnight. It can only be eaten by the people who registered to eat from that Korban Pesach. And you can only eat it roasted. You can't boil it. You can't cook it. You can't do any of those things. So before the Korban Pesach was brought, people had to put in money to sponsor the goat so they could all be the um, the, the, goat, the, um, the Korban in order so that they could all be Yotze to the, um, for the mitzvah. They would do it in groups because it just made much more sense, the lamb. So they would do it much, they would all do it in groups so that they could get more done as, at once, and it was, that was the way Korban Pesach was done. Um, okay, so Sliklanu, we finished the Perak 5 of Zvachim, and now we have a modicum of an idea of what we're talking about when we do the Mishnayot. Um, interestingly, just some food for thought before we leave. The Arizal says in Shara Kavanot that the reason why, the reason why, a, the Tana chose to um, leave out any machloket was because when we do these elevations, when we do these uh, mystical elevations, we're going up in the world uh, during tefillah when we're being malad leolamot, when we're elevating all the all the universes of bria, I'm sorry, asiya, um, yesira bria, atzilut, all these things. When we're doing these things, we need shalom. That's the language he uses. It needs to be perfect shalom. There can't be any machloket. It has to be integral. It has to be perfect. That's the language he uses. One of the Mikvalim of there asks, it's not clear why he says that, because it's, it's known that the only um, uh, aliyah we're doing over there is the aliyah v'asiyah. We're only doing the lowest world. And, he, and the reason he uses a very interesting lashon, where he says that we're being malet all of the olamot. It's a very interesting thing that there's some sort of special power to his ahumikoman, that it goes beyond the regular um, elevations, or even for the for the for the mekubalim who do all these court sorts of meditations during the tefillah, 
and seems to have some sort of elevated power. There's a rokeach at the end of the thing of, of um, Ezu Mekoman, who also says something very interesting. And he says that the four, in the Mishnah, in the Perak, it says the word Makom four times. In the Parashat HaKedah, it says Makom four times. Three of them is in the discussion, and the fourth one is Ve'irot HaMakom Merachok. They saw that, they, uh, I believe it's Lashon, they saw the place from far. Also has four times the word Makom. One of them is spoken, three of them are spoken, the other is not spoken. He points that out, it's not Bamira. These parallel, he says, the other four times it says Makom, but Shlomo HaMelech, when he was inaugurating the Beit HaMikdash. The Rokeach is saying, before he starts this paragraph, he says that this is all, and what I'm saying is all for those who understand the Kabbalistic significance of what I'm about to say. And this is, and this is the, and these are the Psukim which have relevance. And he says that we see that there was Shalom between Abraham and Yitzchak, that there was a simcha that they had to do the mitzvah together. And for that, that reason, the entire Avodah was done with perfection, and the Kedah was done with simcha, dot, 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 and then he ends off. This is how, doesn't explain exactly what's happening. What are these four makoms? Why, why are they important? Um, are the, maybe he's talking about the four alamot. It, it isn't clear what he says, but it's clear that there is a, an element of shalom which is necessary in this meditation, there's a there's a a necessity for the um, all the aliyot to be done without any machloket, and therefore it was all left out. Um, next week, Bezat Hashem will do the brisa of Rabbi Shmuel Omer. Has thirteen rules for how we're doresh the um, the Torah has beginning of Torah Kohanim. Maybe if we can get through it, because it's actually technical. It's you know it's, it's very. It's pretty hard to learn Mishmael Omer. We'll see how much of it we can do. Um, I'm going to start Kaddish, which is an entire Avodah. We'll see how long. Uh, you know, I don't know if we'll start Kaddish next uh, next week, but when we do get up to it, it's going to be a trip because there's a lot to talk about. Amen, Kaddish, all sorts of things. So Bezat Hashem, next week we'll continue. Okay.